But if you imagine with any kind of wave is that there is a peak and there is a valley to every wave. And at the peak, we feel like those are the moments that we wish never ended, that could last forever, but they don't. And then the valleys in our lives, the, the failures, the setbacks out in the ocean, when we wipe out in life, we feel like those are moments that uh, just take me away that I, I wish never happened at all. But those moments don't last either. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Buccino Leadership Institute podcast. I'm your host for today, Brady O'Malley. On this fine Friday morning, I have with me Scott Chesney. Great to have you here, Scott. Hello, Brady. How are you? A pleasure to be with you. I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, the pleasure's, pleasure's all mine. For those of you who are unaware of Mr. Chesney, he's a motivational speaker and life coach who focuses his life on inspiring others and making sure that they take the right steps in order to gain a fulfilling life. He's also a paraplegic, having lost the use of his legs at the age of 15 from a sudden spiral stroke, but does not allow his disability to define his life or being excused to give up on anything. On top of being a motivational speaker and life coach, Scott is also the president of the Raise Hope Foundation, an organization that trains and mentors veterans and people with disabilities for a career in financial services. And last, but certainly not least, he's a fellow pirate, graduate of the class of 92. He also has a documentary coming out called Ride the Wave that will be released in spring 2020. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Chesney. Thank you, Brady. It's an honor to be of anything that the leadership group is doing, including this podcast. So again, the pleasure's all mine. <laughs> all right, that's great. So uh, is there, uh, can you tell us a little about yourself? Yes. So as you know, pirate graduate, class of 92. So I'm coming up on my 50th birthday now, but loved my experiences at Seton Hall University and actually was on WSOU, Seton Hall Pirate Radio for four years, announcing the basketball and baseball games on the student radio station. So uh, I love being a pirate. Unfortunately, it was a little bit of time before becoming a pirate and entering Seton Hall University that pretty traumatic experience happened to me. So for the first 15 years of my life, it was all about movement, walking, running, playing sports, just being a, a carefree teenager. And then it was the morning of December 28th, 1985, that I basically awoke the morning after a high school basketball game. I awoke to a numb big toe, like when your foot falls asleep. Thought nothing of it. 48 hours later, numbness went up one leg, went up a second leg, and left me paralyzed, unable to move and feel normally from uh, about my belly button down to my toes. And there was no accident, no injury, no trauma. After weeks of being in the hospital, exploratory surgery, rehabilitation, it was finally diagnosed that I was born with a malformation of blood vessels in which I could have gone my whole life without anything happening, but I was a perfectly healthy baby. So there was no need to do anything. But inside of me, this malformation of blood vessels almost like, was like a sleeping volcano that 
could have gone off earlier in life, could have gone off later, or never gone off. But it erupted, blood vessels burst, blood put pressure on that cord, and again, left me with paralysis. So coming up on my 35th anniversary this year of having to utilize a wheelchair, and I will just tell you this, is that do I want to walk again? Absolutely. Uh, I'm more driven than ever before, but the bigger question is, do I have to walk again? And I tell people the answer is no, because I, I've really come to the conclusion of, uh, of life in that the only place a true disability can reside is in one's attitude. And, and that's a choice. So there are people right now, Brady, who have far less physical movement than I do, who are choosing not just to survive in their lives, but thrive. And I know that begins the day, continues throughout the day, and ends the day with their attitude in which I'm, I'm going to find a way, and it might not be the conventional route, but I'm going to find a way to, to live my passions, to find my purpose, and have a very rewarding life. Yeah, what you say about attitude is definitely has a very close place in how I try to live my life and how I know a lot of people I know try to live their lives that, yeah, like there's so much stuff that can happen to your body, to your mind, but as long as you have a great attitude to keep yourself going forward. And I really, I really commend people that stick to that ideology. So attitude is something I think is a choice in each and every moment. And I, I find people, and again, and no judgment and being human being, I find myself sometimes dwelling on the past in which we can't change and we can learn from, or too preoccupied with the future in which I, I can plan, I can have intentions for, but really no control over either. So it's it's being in the moment. And I know in each moment that we have a choice. Am I going to see what's right with my life? Or am I going to focus on, or I, I, I mean, I like to give attention to maybe what's not going well in my life. But I find if there's too much focus on that, I'm just dwelling on the past or too preoccupied with the future. So I want to be as much in the moment as possible. And I know that this gives me that opportunity to do so by just checking in with my attitude. And again, just realizing how amazing my life is. And I would say any human being's life is if we really went to the core of what we're all about. So you speak of attitude. And so I would like to ask, what is your view on hard work and work ethic in terms of how it can lead to success and how it can also help your attitude. It's so important because it's almost like you take, let's say, a passion that you have in life and passion which may be connected to your purpose. So it's almost like a bridge of defining where you are now in your life and then on the other side of that bridge, where you want to be. And so in any aspect of your life, that bridge is going to require work and it's going to require focus and it's going to require baby steps at times and sometimes giant leaps. But I think that the main thing is, Brady, because a, a lot of people, and, it, and again, it's not to, to judge anyone, is that they've done research on this, is that people who kind of follow through with their goals and their objectives, only 15% of those people who take it from the beginning to end basically tried everything and it just didn't work out. So you might say, well, what, where are the 85%? of the other people in which their dreams and goals and aspirations don't work out. Those people quit at some point. So at some point they thought this work that they're doing or the timeliness of something, you know what, it's not worth it. And so I like to share with people is that, yeah, there is a time to quit 
quick. And I always say this, but you know, you got to go into your heart and find out if it is because the mind's going to say, ah, this isn't working. And it wants a quick fix and it wants to get in and out real quick. And sometimes that does happen in which we can do something quickly, but other times it's the, the daily preparedness. It's, it's the work ethic that you've mentioned before, and it's having that focus. And so what I share with people in terms of keeping that energy and enthusiasm, you got to remind yourself of what's waiting for yourself on the other end of that bridge. At the beginning, while we were able to launch ourselves into a goal or a dream or an aspiration is that we have sight of that finish line. We actually have a feeling attached to it. So when I cross this finish line, how is it going to make me feel? So that launches us into doing that work to building that bridge. But then all of a sudden, like the days turn into weeks and it may take a little bit of time is that, you know, we quit. A lot of us quit. And I think the main reason for that being the case, Brady, is that we lose sight of that goal. We lose sight of how it's going to make us feel. And so that bridge, which kind of is in our sight and the finish line is in our sight in the beginning, all of a sudden it becomes the longest bridge in the world. And we just feel like we're not getting closer to the end. So we, we jump ship. We bail. We procrastinate. There's so many excuses that we have and what I think that fear is, is a lot of people are like, wow, I, I fear failure. And so if you go back to those people who are either quitting or procrastinating and doing all that, in a sense, Brady, they're already failing. So it's like, don't exactly. be failing. You're already there. What's your biggest fear? It's the fear of success. It's the fear when I cross that finish line how powerful I'm going to be, how awesome this is going to be, because then we push that comfort zone. And whether it's the people in our lives, whether it's the familiarity and the things we're used to, you know, we have a fear of outgrowing that. Whereas, you know, you want to bring everyone along. You want to bring all the things that you have along. You can do so. And whoever's not going to be around for you at the other end of the finish line, it's not your loss. It's their loss. Yeah, just to go off of what you're saying about fear success, I've definitely had that before in my life. I feel like not a lot of people notice that as something that's real, almost. Like, again, what you're saying, most people are like, oh, I'm afraid to fail. Yes, that's also a big thing. But fear of success is also very scary because it has to deal with like a great, humongous change in your life. And even though they might not be in the best situation, they've been in it for such a long time that they don't want to get rid of it. Which is to some people that might seem a little unusual, but for people that are in it, it definitely is something to be afraid about. It's something that we need to realize that it's we can do it. We just need to be prepared for what's going to come next. And everything that comes, even if it's like a bad thing that comes on the way to success, I see it at least as something for the better. Absolutely. Brady, and I, I love all that. Let me put this in an even more perspective for your listeners is that, so again, I shared with you, I'm coming up on my 35th year of being paralyzed, is that I will tell you right now is how much of a comfort zone I have created in living with paralysis to the point where there is, and I know and I tackle it each and every day, a fear of walking again, a fear of standing and walking away from this wheelchair. And people would be thinking, is he crazy? Now, I say on one level, I would absolutely love to get back on my feet and walk again. And there's a part of me I know on some level is terrified by that because I know what my daily life has been for the last 35 years of waking up to a waiting wheelchair, what the routine is, what I have to do for my body, how I have to care for myself, how I've lived life to its fullest with a disability. So all the things that have come along with that too get put into that security blanket. 
So when you tell me, okay, I'm going to rise and walk away from this wheelchair, there is a tremendous fear. There's a tremendous like gasp as well. And there's a tremendous uh, sense of excitement, but there's also this challenge. So I put that in perspective because I want your listeners to realize is that, yeah, even if it's like fully stepping into your purpose, fully stepping into your passion, I meant on a certain level, it's that same excitement and enthusiasm to say, wow, this is everything that is going to be given to me and bring to me on a certain level. But wow, is it terrifying. And I actually don't even think on the conscious level. So we're not saying to myself, well, I'm, a scared, I'm afraid to succeed. I'm afraid to heal myself. I'm afraid to find that love of my life. I don't think we're saying that to ourselves consciously, but subconsciously where there's no filtration system. Let me just tell you, it is playing that record again and again and just letting you know, hey, you know what? Let's kind of play it slowly. Let's kind of stay where we are. We have the familiarity. We have the comfort zone. We know what's around us. And it's really not that bad. And so what I say to people is that, Yes, we are getting by and we are surviving. But I don't know about you, Brady. I'm in a place that like, I don't want to just survive. I got to do things on a daily basis to live with paralysis, to live life, to just survive. I want to thrive. I want to thrive. And if part of that journey means to kind of survive from time to time, so be it. But I want to push the envelope. I want to push the comfort zone. I want to know what's waiting for me because the moment we take a step, outside of our comfort zone is the moment we start to grow. Otherwise, we're not growing. We're staying where we are and we're in our comfort zone. It's nice. It's insulated. It, there's a knowingness there, but we're not growing. I always envisioned it as like, you know, like you're in your bed, you're all cozy, the AC is nice. You just feel so perfect, but yet you're not doing anything great. And to have a great life, you got to get out of that and you got to go into what's absolutely scary and so what you're saying about fear and fear of change necessarily is i think one of the big differentiating factors of what makes you know a leader and you know someone who's not that fear is such a powerful thing that it takes i think like a certain type of person to deal with it in order to to thrive in their lives well, you hear a lot of leaders using the term, and again, in no judgment, because I probably at some point in my life used it as well, because it sounds great. It sounds heroic. It sounds motivational, inspirational, is that we say as leaders, we just say as people in general, I'm fearless, or you got to be fearless. And that's powerful. And it sounds great. But in all seriousness, it's not realistic. And the, the, the reason is, is that fear is natural. It's a natural occurrence with change, moving our comfort zone, anything new. So to be fearless, no. What I love to say is this, this is what courage is all about, is courage is basically moving forward in the face of fear. And what it is that we do is that we, and I suggest to people is that we, we leverage and we exhaust fear. Because all fear is, is energy. So I love to bring up the analogy. And I know, Brady, you're a young one here. You probably could be my kid based on your age and everything. Is that there used to be a time and a day when we didn't have GPS. And I, I know it's a hard thought to imagine, but you kind of had to like 
okay, how am I going to get from point A to point B? Maybe you had something written down on a piece of paper or you tried to memorize some kind of direction, but I just want you and your listeners to imagine being in the most terrifying area late at night that you can think of. Okay. Do you have a, do you have a place in mind? Brady? I do. I do. Okay. There's a creep around my town. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have to tell me where, but I want you, <laughs> all your listeners, including yourself to think about that place. Think about like late at night, you are absolutely lost. Okay. You're driving by yourself in the car. You don't pull over to the side and start crying and saying, I'm so scared. I don't think I can do this. No, your eyes get wider. Your adrenaline starts pumping. The fear is there. And you start leveraging it to the point where, like, and I, I hate to say this, women are going to be smarter. They're going to pull over to a gas station and get directions. The guys, we're going to try to figure this out on our own. We'll drive all night long. But that's energy. That is all energy is. It's like the, the fear of public speaking is that you do that and you leverage. You can have it consume you. But I will tell you now, Brady, is that the emotional paralysis, the mental paralysis that fear can create is far more debilitating than any type of physical paralysis I've been living with for 35 years. That's how debilitating it can be. And what does fear do when it consumes you? It absolutely keeps you in that comfort zone. It actually loves to any type of change or anything that you might be entertaining. It loves to remind you of times when you have failed, when things didn't work out, when you entertained some type of change before. So you kind of got to see this movie because all it's doing is playing out in your mind. That's the only place fear exists. So you entertain that, you watch that up on the screen of your mind, but you also tell yourself, I don't need to be a character in this dramatic film is that I'm going to go into my heart where my courage is and I am going to leverage this fear because I don't want anything to control me. One of those things I wanted to share with you quickly, Brady, is that, and I do this for the leadership students because I, I teach a class to the freshman leadership students. And, and I tell them when I exhausted my greatest fear, which was back in 2002, I said, I wanted to exhaust my greatest fear. And at that time it was jumping out of an airplane and going skydiving. So I found an organization up in way up in northern New Jersey, Sussex County, that took people with and without disabilities up skydiving. And when I tell you, this wasn't a goal of mine. This wasn't a dream. This was my fear that I wanted to hit straight on. And what's interesting, so you have a tandem partner, is that while we're going up in this airplane, I'm getting nauseous. I'm getting a headache. Fear is absolutely consuming like every inch of my body, creating every excuse for me not to do this. But I went into my heart. And I remember with my feet dangling out of the airplane, my mind pushed the ultimate panic button, Brady. My mind said, I want my mommy. And I remember that moment, my mind was done. My heart took over and said, listen, if you can jump out of an airplane 10,000 feet in the air, you can let go of any issue in your life. So I jumped and I exhausted my fear. But this is the thing, Brady, is that now what happens in this moment and moments moving forward, when fear does enter the equation, and maybe there is that. I don't know if I can do this. And you doubt yourself and you have this disbelief. What I have on file now in my past, this is where we can learn from the past and leverage it. I have that experience of going skydiving in which if I rewind that tape and I say to myself, wait a minute, Scott, you let go of this airplane 10,000 feet in the air. You know what's in front of you right now? Really? Are you going to let this consume? No. And like, it just propels me forward. But everyone listening right now, you have examples in your life. I'm not saying skydiving, but something in your life in which you said, I can't do this, but you did it anyway. And you said to yourself, if this is possible, anything is possible. 
just hearing the way you're describing it, I'm already getting like, oh boy, that that does that sounds terrifying. But I mean, there's definitely been things in my life that have also been like absolutely horrifying that I did because it's necessary. You have to do these things. And I see as if there wasn't if fear never existed, there would be no such thing as success. You know? Like it's basically that for lack of a better word, it's that story of, you know, good versus evil type thing. There can't be one without the other. And so the whole point, the whole reason that we have stories of success and that we have stories of becoming great people, great leaders, is because of fear and because that is the great enemy almost that you have to overcome. And also to just kind of backtrack the comment on something, when you say that uh, you're uh, old enough to be my dad, it's actually funny. My parents are both 50 right now. <laughs> And so I was just I was just chuckling at that. I wanted to mention that because my mom just turned fifty, and my dad turns fifty in June. So I'm like, you're you're pretty dead on. <laughs> so age is an accident of birth. Just so you know, we, we had no say in the matter. But I, I I will tell you this though is that no, I, and I appreciate you sharing that. But you're, you I, and I love what you just mentioned, Brady, in terms of polar opposites. So how would we know fear if we didn't know courage? How would we know pleasure if we didn't know pain? How would we know success if we didn't know failure? Exactly. So I know why we, 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 we strive for success over failure. I know why we strive for pleasure over pain. But where I see the key ingredients in life is embracing its polar opposite. So what's interesting with regards to paralysis as well for me is that, you know, my life before paralysis was all about movement all about talking. I still love talking now and everything. So you know where both of those have really been enhanced in embracing their polar opposites. So what's the opposite of movement? Stillness. And I just don't mean stillness sitting paralyzed, but I mean like meditation. I mean yoga. And then what's the opposite of talking? It's silence. And I've realized through meditation and other practices, the power and the creativity and the peace that exists within silence that we can incorporate in our lives. So it's not like, and again, with the whole success and failure, I don't want to encourage your, your listeners to go out seeking failure. Like, oh, Scott said, I need to fail now. Let me go fail somewhere. No, it will happen organically. And when it happens, please feel your feelings. Please feel the loss. Please feel the sadness and the frustration. But knowing full well in any type of failure, there is immense feedback in anything, a relationship ending, losing a job, doing poorly on a test, is that right away we feel the feelings, but then right after that, there is immediate feedback as to what you could be doing more of, less of, or new. And if you jump at that and you answer those questions and you act on those answers, is that you'll find yourself quickly taking away the message. Because when we talk about character, when we talk about resiliency, that's all lying with failure and what we did in the face of that failure or that challenge or that adversity and how we responded, how there may have been a comeback involved. And so that's where we can really talk on the subject of character and resiliency and just overcoming adversity is to know what we've done in those moments of pain, in those moments of failure, in those moments of things not working out, how we responded what we've learned from it, and how we've shared those messages with other people. I want to go back to what you're saying about don't go out looking for failure. Because I do know people that have tried to do that, you know, like, oh, like, I gotta, I have to go out and fail so I can learn all these things. But just really deal with the successes or just 
not even the success or failure, just deal with, you know, the in-between factor of it. And then when you fail, you fail and you learn from it. You learn from all your mistakes. Absolutely. Brady, if there's anybody out there right now that has a fear of failure, which to some degree is natural, but a lot of people who have a fear of failure right now, in some area of their life, they are already failing failing themselves, failing, they feel like failing others. I don't know to the degree of failure they're experiencing. So don't think that it's necessarily a fear. Just understand that it's a destination that you're at right now. And you can leave that destination whenever you want and take the messages away from it. But again, that that's not the biggest failure that we have. Our minds want to tell us that because then it kind of controls us and keeps us from even taking chances, taking risks because then we don't even have to risk failure, but in not taking risks and not moving this comfort zone on a level, we know that we're failing. We're failing at really fulfilling our true potential, really growing by leaps and bounds and having not that ordinary life, but that extraordinary life that we were born to live. Yeah, definitely. Like if you're going to take precautions to try and avoid failure your whole life, you're going to fail to live a life. So I remember a story that I had with me and my grandpa. It was about a couple months ago. And this is me, like, coming home from college. And I was all I was all trying to impress him, trying to flex my knowledge on him. And so, yeah, I'm talking with him. And my grandpa's 82. Granted, you can already see he knows a lot more than me, no matter how many textbooks I read or anything like that. And I talked to him. And out of nowhere, I don't know why I did this, but out of nowhere I pull a quote from uh, Nietzsche, I pull a quote from Nietzsche for some reason just to show him, like, oh, yeah, I know Nietzsche. And so the quote I said was, um, the tree that wishes to grow to heaven has to put its roots through hell. And so I was all proud of telling him that. And then he gives me a response I'm probably going to remember for a very long time because I wasn't expecting it. He's like, yeah, that, that's great and all, but that's stupid. That's utterly stupid. This is my grandfather saying this. He's like, if you want to do great, don't focus on trying to fail. Because, yeah, it's going to help you, but it's unnecessary. You can still do the same great things without putting yourself through the ringer, without putting yourself through horrible situations. You can do all that stuff while still maintaining a balance. And he basically took me to school, and I was there with, like, my jaw on the floor, and I was like, that was not the response I was looking for. <laughs> you know, every day, Brady, when people ask me, like, how are things going? I said, you know what? I'm living the dream and the nightmare. And yeah. I tell them I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And, and, and this kind of really gets into the theme of uh, the documentary about my life. So when, when they first approached me about doing this uh, movie about my life, I was honored and humbled. And I said, it, it, I will only agree to this if it's done in a way that's going to help other people. I know it's going to be kind of my life, but just as I do with speaking engagements is that I want people to travel vicariously through my life, but they're plugging in their lives. But getting around to this heaven and hell, it's kind of like we're riding the waves of life. So this documentary is a little bit about the ocean and my adaptive surfing and love of the ocean, but it's really, really about these waves of life that we're all riding. And so if you think about it, even if you're someone who loves the ocean, or maybe I think at some point or another, each and every human being could appreciate, even from looking from afar, the beauty and maybe the, the monstrosity of a wave at some point in his or her life. But if you imagine with any kind of wave is that there is a peak and there is a valley to every wave. And at the peak, we feel like those are the moments that we wish 
never ended, that could last forever, but they don't. And then the valleys in our lives, the, the failures, the setbacks out in the ocean, when we wipe out in life, we feel like those are moments that uh, just take me away that I, I wish never happened at all. But those moments don't last either. And I'll never forget, it was about three years ago, shortly before Father, the day before Father's Day, is that I went out surfing with my crew. About 10 guys came out with me. And it was a rough day and uh, the first wave of the season. So the ocean's still very cold because it's, uh, it's June still. So we were in our real thick wetsuits. And I remember the first wave just rolling me. And I wiped out to the point I went head over heels two or three times, Brady. And I will never forget, because I know how to swim, I, I came to the top after wiping out. And I remember kind of like gathering my legs and floating there. And I saw my right leg at an angle I'd never seen it before. And it was the first time even being paralyzed at that time, 33 years, I guess it was, is that I've always felt connected to my body. But in that moment, based on seeing my leg at that weird angle, I ended up breaking my femur, is that I realized that something was seriously wrong. So they brought me back on shore. And I remember just sitting in this water wheels, wheelchair, and, and just sitting there holding my leg. And then something told me to pick my head up and look out into the ocean. And when I did that, Brady, is that I saw a beautiful wave coming in, looking like no other wave I had seen before. And then beyond that was another wave, beauty, unique, and another wave after that. And it just said to me, so in, in being in a place of shock and being in a place of sadness, knowing full well something was wrong, I didn't know I'd broken my femur in that moment, but knowing something was seriously wrong in my life, a peacefulness started developing in my heart because I started realizing like, this is life. And I've had a setback here now. And so what am I supposed to learn? What are the messages to take away from this experience so I can get back in there in the ocean at some point and navigate maybe this thing called life a little bit better, a little bit easier, but absolutely through all of our experiences, a little bit wiser. And so the more that we can embrace life's polar opposites, I think would really, really enhance our lives. That's an amazing point that you make. What do you want people to gain from this documentary and your work as a motivational speaker? And what do you also gain out of it? Absolutely. Well, let, let me begin with the, the last part of the question. What, what do I gain from this is that every time that I speak, whether it's an audience of 10, 20,000 people or coaching one-on-one -on -one with a person, my wonderful wife told me a long time ago, whenever you speak to someone, make sure you keep one ear open to yourself. And she said, make sure that you're walking your walk in my place, wheel in my wheel, but making sure that I'm listening to the advice that I'm giving and I'm actually following it. That's, that's powerful because that makes the whole experience for me real. And anytime when I'm sharing my experiences and having audiences that that there's healing going on, constantly sharing my story, taking it like in different directions, depending on my audience, different experiences that I've had. So it's very healing for me. It's very growth oriented for me. But what I want my audiences uh, and what I encourage them to do is examine their lives and really, really challenge themselves to enhance their lives, knowing full well that you could say, hey, you know what, things are going awesome in this area of my life. But maybe through my presentation, through my words of saying, there's another level. So it's, I'm all about constant, never-ending improvement, but I also realize that if we're constantly in that place 
of like pursuing something and striving for something is that that could lead to burnout. And while I love that drive and determination, I also want you more than anything to enjoy this journey that you're on and appreciate what life has to offer. And so I would say the biggest message and the biggest takeaway for people is this thing called gratitude. I have people all the time, Brady asked me, you know, you just seem so positive all the time. First of all, that's not the case. What I tell people is that I don't have bad days anymore. I do not have bad days anymore. And, and I don't say that to sound heroic or inspirational. It's the truth. What I do have are challenging moments. I have moments of anger, sadness, frustration, just like everyone else. But I refuse to allow a full day in which I, to go by in which I said that was a bad day. And the only explanation for that I can give is this thing called gratitude. I flood my life, tidal waves of gratitude each and every day. First thing when I wake up, my lucky number is 12, 12 things for which I'm grateful. Then as much as I can throughout the day, reminding myself, wow, how lucky I am to be alive, how lucky I am to have these experiences, to have this opportunity to live my passions, to fulfill my purpose in life. And then no matter how challenging or rewarding the day actually was, is that on the other side of the day, before my head hits the pillow, is that I will identify 12 new things for which I'm grateful. And knowing full well that one of those things today, before I go to bed, will be having the opportunity to talk to you, Brady, and your fantastic engineer and coordinator over there, Audrey, as well having the opportunity to be on this podcast and hopefully, just hopefully, be able to help others make a positive difference in their lives. That was great, Scott. And yeah, thank you for the shout out. Yeah, so I think this is going to wrap it up. I think that's our time. So I just want to thank you very so much for doing this. This has been a very enlightening conversation. I had a great time. I hope you had a great time. A anytime. It was awesome. Would love to do this again at some point. Thank you, Mr. Chesney, for doing this podcast with us and for the valuable knowledge you've given me and our listeners. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Brady. Take care, my friend.